Thank you for joining the Together Church Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Our prayer is, is that today's message will inspire you and help you move closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy today's message. We've been talking about offense uh, over the last couple of weeks. And uh, have you guys gotten anything out of this? Have you been able to use it at all? Like in a healthy way? You find yourselves going, oh, I'm glad. I've been learning a little bit about that. Um, you know, Jesus tells us that these offenses happen. Like we get, we're going to be offended. Like it's going to happen. But the choice is whether we drink of the cup of offense or we simply put the cup down. And what we talked about in week one is we saw the different stages of how people view offense. And I, I wanted to briefly just run back through that for you. But we said stage one is when you actually feel offended. This is the point where somebody just pours you your glass of poison or offense and they just fill your cup right on up because you know people are blessings when they offend you and this is the feeling is when somebody has poured it you know so we've been there we've had it and the cups here and we feel offended for instance and, and we can be offended over big things we can be offended over small things I grew up in what I believe to be one of the greatest towns in America called Dillon South Carolina and um, some of you would disagree with that, but it's okay. It's, everybody's wrong. It's fine. Um, but one of the things about Dylan is our, our claim to fame is this wonderful thing called South of the Border. And you may have been there, passed by it. And if you had passed by it and you didn't stop in, I just want to say congratulations. You were smart to continue to drive on through South of the Border because every shop's the same and it's a money trap. But in Dylan, we have our own little language. And I didn't realize this until I went to college. And I would use words like, you would say toboggan. Nope, that's what I would say. Toboggan would be the right word. But in Dillon, I was, we always said toboggan. And I got to college and said that for the first time. And, and everybody in the room just stopped and stared like, this, how'd this guy get into school? <laughs> it's like toboggan. You mean toboggan? I was like, no, it's called a toboggan. And then I met some people from Michigan and it was called a sled. And that really didn't make any sense. But this... Um, Last summer, I was able to go, go back to my hometown of Dillon, and I, I have a couple of things when I go back home that I want to do, and, and maybe when you go back home to where you're from, if you're not from here, there are certain things that are staples in your community that you want to go back and do or see, and for me, there's a place called Bill Coward's Hot Dogs, and it's in a convenience store, like out in the middle of the country, and it's one of the best hot dogs you can ever get. And it's about 50 cents. You could feed a slew. If Jesus was feeding the 5,000 and he could have had some Bill Coward hot dogs, he would have been set because it was 50 cents a hot dog. It was good. And these things were amazing. So I go in to order and I took some of our friends with us and I said, hey, I, I want to introduce you to some of the greatest gourmet food in all of Dillon County. It's a hot dog from a gas station. It's amazing. And I start ordering, and this lady starts talking to me, and she's calling the order back, asking me if I want this and I want that. I can't understand a word she's saying. And she kept repeating it, repeating it. And then finally, the hospitality, because it's gas station hot dog, the lady cooking the food turned around in a snarky voice and said, she's asking you about this. Whoa. Now you're going to need to turn back around to your fry station because this, this is about to go down and not be good. And the lady looked at me and said, you must not be from around here. <laughs> Woman, I grew up here. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done here. You don't know who my family is here. I was, I was offended by something so small because I take pride in where I'm from. But the fact that she even questioned 
where I was from made me so offended. What happened was, she didn't even know it, but she poured me a cup of offense. And when I got back to the car, I told my wife, I said, you'll never believe. That woman just questioned if I was even here. Can you believe that she questioned I was, and I'm just drinking the poison. I was, finally I realized how stupid it was because I realized that lady probably had not been from there. I found all kinds of reasons to be against her. But that was, the, that was the cup that had been poured. It was such a small thing that would offend me. And so I had to make the decision to drink. So the, the first step is when you feel offended, even by the small thing or by the big thing. The second one is not just feeling offended, but it's the choice to live or not live offended. So I had to make the decision, even in this little small thing, was I going to be offended and put the cup down or drink the cup? What, what was I going to do with the poison that I was given? And this is how we see offenses. Everybody's going to be poured the cup at some point. But it's up to you whether or not you drink that cup and sip it. And what we would say is this cup is poison. If you drink it, you, this gotta, you're going to die. Because it's going to do some things within you that's not going to be good. And so what we look at, we can go to Psalm chapter 119. And the writer says, those who love your instructions have great peace and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. It is possible to live without offense. Now, you're going to be offended. That's going to happen. Jesus said that was going to happen. But it is possible for you to live without being offended, like without living in the offense itself. And this is what he's saying, is that those who love your instructions... The people who get in the word, those who love the law, those who spend time in scripture, who are reading the scriptures, who are applying the scriptures, he says, those who love those instructions, they'll have a great peace. You know why they'll have a great peace? Because they'll have the word of God flowing in them and not everything else, every other outlet pouring into them. They'll have words of life flowing into them. And these, these words of these instructions have great peace. And when you have this peace, you're not offended by things because your perspective has been set on Jesus. You have been set on his words. You're letting him shape and mold and create in you what he has made you to do. And he said, so when we, when we live in these instructions and we have this love for scripture, nothing can offend. We, we can live without offense when we love the word. But somewhere along the way, we have allowed ourselves to think that it's okay to carry an offense and you and I were not carried to bear the weight of offense. We can't do it because it has consequences that are emotional consequences, physical consequences, and most importantly, spiritual consequences when we carry these offenses. But we've allowed this thought that we are okay to carry them and be mad for a while and let them frustrate us and let them cause bitterness and you know whatever else comes and may have happened in your life when you've carried these offenses. So I'd always say go back to the word if, you're, if you feel like your life is just full of offenses, like everything offends you, go right here. How much, I would say, ask you, how much do you love his instruction? How much do you love his word? Whose voice is louder in your ear? 
Is it that of the Holy Spirit bringing conviction and comfort to your life or is it that of people around you? We said in, in the first week that just because you feel offended doesn't mean you have to live offended. And that's what we're saying right here in Psalm. Offense is going to happen. We, we've said that. We know that. And we're going to feel offended. And we're going to leave here today and we're going to feel offended at some point. And everybody's going to feel it because life's not fair. Would you agree with me? Life's not fair. And people that didn't agree with that in 2019 now agree in 2020 life's not fair. I can't go into a restaurant and I have to have a mask to go from point A to point B, but when I'm sitting at the booth, I don't have to worry about it when the three-year-old's sitting on the other side of the booth staring at us, sneezing on everything. Like, life's unfair. It's unfair that a college football ticket's $110 to go watch your team lose. It's unfair. It's always unfair. It's not just 2020. So opportunity comes. It's, it's things about life that's just not fair. An offense is not fair. It, it, it's going to happen. And living offended is when you can get beyond the feeling of offense and take the cup and you begin drinking that cup and you're, again, hoping the other person dies. We, we said this, that drinking the cup of offense is like drinking poison and waiting on the other person to die. You're waiting for vengeance. You're, you're waiting. I don't, I don't want to forgive them. I want to I give them everything back that they've given to me double. You're, you're thinking that the people that have offended you, I want their life to be miserable. I want them to suffer. And then you get in this, bar, this bartering thing with God. If you'll do this, then I'll do this. If you'll hand this out to them, then I'll do this. And, and we find ourselves in this pattern of drinking poison, of just hoping, I'm gonna drink this offense and live in it, and I sure hope that everything they have coming at them come, comes at them. And you felt that way before. I have felt that way before. And you probably have caught yourself saying things and as soon as it came out of your mouth going, where did that thought come from? And it came from our hearts. Because when you decide to drink the poison, that's living in that offense. And you begin saying, doing things that are not in alignment with what scripture says. Because you now have chosen to live in this state of offense. Because you're hoping that someone else gets hurt. Look at what the author of Hebrews said. He gives us this warning. He says, watch out. Watch out. That no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And there's a couple of things that I want you to see in this verse. When you live in offense, it's safe to say that you're troubled. You can't sleep at night because it bothers you. You see things that remind you of that person or of that event, and it bothers you and you're restless, and you're on edge, and anybody that looks that way, acts that way, now becomes an enemy to you, and you become toxic. Because when you drink poison, and you drink toxicity, you become toxic. And that's what happens. And the writer of Hebrews is given a warning to watch out. You gotta be on guard. And the scriptures tell us to guard our hearts. So when we love the instruction of the word and we're pouring the word into our souls, what happens is it washes out the toxicity. It flushes it out. And he's given us this warning to watch out because if you don't, these poisonous roots will, will take hold in your life. 
You ever had those trees in your front yard that you want to get rid of, but they have just anchored down to everything? And now your sidewalk's starting to crack. You may have some foundational issues on your house, and you decide you're going to cut that out. And the more you cut, the more you find that they're just root after root after root, and it's exhausting because these things have just taken shape over time. You sometimes don't have to do anything for that just to take root. You just let it do what it does and not address it, and these roots still grow because all it needs is a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit to do it. And this is, what the, this is what the scriptures are telling us, is that this is, and this is why I think sometimes it's so hard for us to invite the Holy Spirit to do something within us because he has to do some uprooting that is not comfortable, doesn't he? There's some things that have to be dug up and put to death that we have allowed just to grow and take shape. Like when you get that nasty cut and you go to the doctor and the first thing they want to do is clean it out. And they dump whatever that demonic stuff is that makes you speak in tongues this moment it hits your arm and you just want to say things that you know are not exactly Christian. And he says that these things take root. But notice something. It takes root of bitterness because you do get bitter when you get offended. But he says it grows up. It doesn't just, you don't just get offended. You don't just get bitter. It grows because the bigger the root system the more that it can support. He says it grows up to trouble you. And this is, this is the scariest part. It corrupts many. Because what happens is you'll take your offense that you felt so offended about and you begin passing it on to other people. The problem with offense is that it doesn't hurt other people, it hurts you. And you can put other people in that boat and pass on how you feel, but other people will come in and be a part of where you are. Look at this, this passage. I mean, the scripture's full of these things on offense. And he says, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Prudent. That was a big word for me. So I looked it up. But this is, this is acting with or... or showing some type of thought for the future. This is me thinking I'm always prepared and ready. And it says those who are prepared and ready, as in you know offense is coming and you're ready for it when it does and you already have the game plan of what the scripture says I need to react to it and how I need to handle it. It says that those people can overlook that insult. They can overlook that offense and not hold it inside and let it damage them. But there's, you notice this progression there's a progression of getting in the word of God to hear from him so that you can prep the soil and make sure that there are no roots there so the seeds of the Holy Spirit can be thrown onto your soul so it can begin to grow. And there's a weeding process that it's going to take. So you get in the word and you allow the work of the Holy Spirit to work in your life to get these, rid of these offenses, to get rid of these roots that have taken hold. And then once that starts to happen... You start knowing that offense is coming. You're not caught off guard anymore. And I know that it's coming. And I'm preparing for it. And I know how to handle it because I know what Jesus has told me to do and I hear his voice. So guess what? I can learn to overlook that insult. But the truth of the matter is, if we got to be honest, it's hard to overlook offense, isn't it? Because there's something within us that just wants to see payback revenge right 
That's the way we feel. And it's the human condition of us that wants to see this happen with people. The goal of overlooking an offense is not letting that offense get under your skin. Because once it gets under your skin, it gets into your heart, and it's, it's, it's a lot to get out. Because sometimes we, we hold this cup of poison and we sip from it without even realizing we're holding it or sipping from it. Because we'll excuse things and say, well, it doesn't really bother me. But yet, you can't sleep at night. But yet, you're short when you talk to your spouse, or you talk to your friends, or you talk to your kids. That's the root of poison that has taken root within you. And so it's hard to overlook the offense. And the goal is, I'm going to get past this and I'm not going to let this get under my skin. Look what he says in, in Proverbs. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. And we know what First John tells us about love. God is love. You notice in this whole thing of offense, it involves you and I doing something. Because this is not natural for us to handle it the way that Scripture says. There is this constant push for us to seek and push towards Jesus, to push towards his word. Y'all notice that trend? Because when we push towards him, the offenses don't really matter because we're so consumed in who he is. And he, and he says, whoever covers an offense will seek love, but the person that repeats this matter separates close friends. Here, here let, me, let me break it down this way. You're free to move on and stop telling the story of how you were offended to everybody. You're free to move on from that. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to bring people into the story anymore. Because the problem is when we start bringing people in to the story, they start sipping from the same glass and they become offended about situations that they didn't even know about. Problems that they weren't even sure about. But they're your friends, so they're going to tell you what you, need, what you want to hear most of the time. But we need people in our lives, like we learned last week, that need to tell us things that we don't want to hear that are true and push us towards right, what's right. But not just passing the cup and letting them sip. Because this is so easy to do. Because when you feel alone and you feel offended by yourself, it's good to pull people on your team. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Well, you just drink this. I'll get your own cup if you want it. Because that's what happens. Like They drink from our cup, but eventually we'll just start pouring them their own cup. And then they're going to come to you with their offenses because now they're, they're offended. And it's, it's, not, it's not good. I'm going to talk more about that here in just a minute. So he says, whoever comes, covers an offense, seeks love, but he who repeats it, it's different. But look at Proverbs again. I feel like the writer of Proverbs had a lot of offenses come his way because he writes a lot about it. He says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is the one's glory to overlook the offense. He says, the truth is, you and I have been given grace. And we need to throw that grace out to other people. We need to give the same amount of grace that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus has given you and I on a daily basis. We need to be giving that back out to other people. He's saying that there's a power. When we understand the grace that we have, there's a power for us to pour this out. We can pour it out. We don't have, we're not 
held hostage to the cup of offense, we, we can pour it out. And, and that's, that's our big takeaway today, by the way, is that um, I'm going to go back here and fix this because I went too fast. What happens is we need to learn to pour the poison out. We don't, we're not confined to this cup. I'm glad I didn't put a new floor down. We can pour it out. You, you can. That's fun. You can pour it out. Just pour it out. Nobody said you had to hold this. Because see, I was convinced I had to hold this. And I had a couple of people in my life that kept telling me stuff, and I just thought, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they were telling me in good, in nice ways, he poured out. Stop holding it. This is not, this is not good for you. And the option was they were either going to slap this out of my hand or I was going to have to pour it out. So I just poured it out. Because it's dangerous. You know what? The more I poured out, the less weight I was, I was carrying too, by the way. This is the most crucial part to your soul. Because you all have the opportunity to get bitter or to get better. You can get bitter or you can get better. When, when I talk with people that are married and, and they're going through all kinds of issues, it always comes down to one of two things. You can continue to hold bitterness or we can get better, but you can't get bitter and better at the same time. You choose this day, which you, you're going to be better or better. Because if you're going to be better, this isn't going to work. If you're going to be better, we, can, we got something to work with. But you can't have bitterness. You can't have bitterness and have conversation. Because there's a fence that's tied to bitterness that holds you from, you, you, it messes the conversation up. Because anything they say, yeah, of course you're going to blame me for that. Because you notice that when these offenses add up, then every little thing that person does is wrong. Especially like in, in marriage counseling, they'll come because there's this big issue. And then little things will start getting brought up. Yeah, like that time you didn't take the trash out when I asked you to. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some guys just drop their head real quick. Y'all better go take the trash out. There's an opportunity for you to get bitter or get better. And I know what you're thinking. But what, but that, these people get away with it. They get away with it. And that was my biggest hang up. And sometimes still is that they get away with it. They get to treat me the way that they did and say the things that they did and lie the way they did and whatever, fill in the blank that they did, and they get away with it. That doesn't sit well with our heart, does it? Like, God, do you not see the same thing? You say you can sympathize. Do you not sympathize with me that it would be totally okay for me to sometimes just want to throat punch somebody, just being honest? Like, they've hurt me, and you're, and you're telling me to let them go, to not worry about it? Like, then I'm down here trying to get the stuff back in the cup because I, 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 I want to handle this. But in Romans, Paul says, do not take revenge. You got to stop right there and let that sit because I want to take revenge. And in some way, in my twisted mind, I can do it a lot better than God can do it. And he says right out the gate, do not take revenge. And he softens the blow just a little bit. My dear friends, I'm telling you this because we're friends and I love you. 
Do not take revenge. Put the cup down. And they're reading this letter and they're going, you, you have no clue what we've been through. We've been persecuted. We've been abandoned. We've had all these things happen to us. And Paul says, yeah, I know. But don't take revenge. That is not how we move the kingdom forward. That is not our role. And that's what he's saying. You got to know what your role is. He says, so you do not take revenge. I love the way he words this. He says, but leave room for God's wrath. God's a pretty big God. There's no room for me. I got to get out of the way. That's, that was his nice way of saying, <laughs> you better know your place and go. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. The only thing that you need to be doing in these offenses is leaving room for God to work. Because he'll either work with you or in spite of you. And I promise you, you want him to work with you. Because he's trying to show you and teach you and strengthen your character and we've got to leave room for God's wrath. There's no room for mine if God is in the middle of this. Now that doesn't mean that our prayer life completely changes. God, if you would let them get hit by a train tomorrow, if you would let them, and you fill in the blank. Because again, it's a human heart. That's the way you feel sometimes. He says, you better leave room for God's wrath. Look what he says, for it is written. So he's saying, I'm reminding you of what was already said on this topic. It is mine to avenge and I will repay, says who? Sometimes we read that and we insert our name that it is mine. Like this is my, this is my thing. This is my mantle to carry, to give back. But he says, no, no, no. You don't need to worry about the person that caused it. You don't need to be worrying about what happens to them. That's not your place. What your place is, is to live a life of not being offended and just pour the dang cup out. Let me do what I need to do. And that is the hardest thing. Because sometimes I would find myself carrying five or six cups. I told you last week it was like a helmet with the silly straws. Because I was living in such a toxic, toxic place of drinking this cup. And I know, but they'll get away with it. And the saying is always to forgive and to forget. That's not true. Some of you have been through some hurts that are not easy to forget. Forgiveness is not amnesia. There's some wounds and some scars that people have caused. And those are very, very real. And they're hard to forget. We're, we weren't called to forget, we were called to forgive. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that you need to put them back in your life. And if you do, it doesn't mean that you need to give them the same level of trust that they had when they walked out of your life. And that's okay. That is totally okay. And, and sometimes within us, we feel like, well, I, I think that's just mean if we did that to somebody. Sometimes it's about you and Jesus, not about you, Jesus, and the other person. You need to let Jesus work. And so... Peter had the same question. He asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Because somebody, you know, Peter was a very offensive person in his own right, but he also caused a lot of offenses. He rubbed people the wrong way. And Peter comes to Jesus and he says, how many, how many times should I forgive people? Like seven, just seven times? And Jesus tells him, no, how about 70 times seven? He said, how about every time that you get handed a glass of offense 
you just pour it out. You just pour it out. And that's what he's telling Peter. Like, you just pour it out. You offended by being on social media? There's this awesome little button that says sign out. Tired of hearing what you hear on the radio? There's this awesome little button called the power on, power off button. Be careful who you let speak into your life. Be careful what offenses you hold on to. Being unoffendable, being unoffendable is a lifestyle of forgiveness. It's a lifestyle of forgiveness. This is the way we live. This is what we learn to do. The people that cause the offense, as much as we want to come back, again, the Bible says, it's God's job. And whatever God does is what God does. And if he doesn't touch them and do anything, that is God's job. It is not ours. As much as we want it to be, we cause way more damage when we try to fix those things and, and hand those things out. We have got to learn how to live in a place of forgiveness. And you need to get help for your hurts. Because whatever you put down in your well will always come back up in the bucket. You need to find somebody to talk to. You find help. To help you process what it is that you've been through. So that you can get your brain back to thinking the ways of God. The healthy, in a, in a much healthier path. We said that the Greek word for offense was scandalizo. And we, we said that what it is is this trap. There's this trap that scandalizo is when you live in a fence, it's the part of the trap that you take the bait and then the trap closes and then you, you, lose, you lose your freedom. And you get, you get stuck and it's, it's bait that we take. And a fence is always there for us to take and to bait and to grab, right? And this is what the enemy does. The enemy's number one operation that he does to come at you and me is to keep us in a state of offense. Because sometimes, if we're honest, we get offended with God. Did you not hear my prayer? Did you not hear what I asked you? Are you not involved in it? Like, where are you? And sometimes we can even get offended with God. When he says that the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will use the traps of offense, the scandalizo in our lives to put us in that cage to steal, kill, and destroy. And what Jesus is saying to us, because in John 10, 10, he says that he's come that we can have life, but the enemy comes. He, he, he has it out for you. He has a target on your back. And Jesus is saying, you got to pay attention to this because he will continuously come and be dumping stuff in your cup and you just got to keep pouring it out. He says, you got to pour it out. Because what happens again is when you're offended, other people come and other people get a hold of the glass because you start sharing. We call that social drinking, by the way. When you start sharing your glass of poison, everybody else, y'all just keep refilling. And it does, it does damage to you. And so we got to always remember what the enemy's thing is of offense. If, he's, if you're offended, then the enemy has you right where he needs you. And now what he wants you to do is to actually drink that cup and we need to put it down. So I want to give you two last key pieces here. Just some help. Because some of you are hung up on an offense that you can't just seem to shake. And I would say this, process the offense that you're going through um, by leaving room for things that maybe you don't know. 
Maybe they don't know that they offended you. Maybe they didn't realize what they had said hurt. Maybe they were joking. Maybe they were just leave room for what you don't know. Maybe they only heard one side of the story. And you don't need to go worry about sharing your side of the story. God will take care of you. Your character will sustain you far more than anything else will. And that's what you need to be okay with. When, when you're living in this offense, ask yourself, are you leaving room for what you don't know? Maybe, maybe they treated you that way because they come from a place of hurt and pain. Maybe they're key pieces of information that would change the way you see it if you knew some things, but you just don't know it. So you just got to give it up to the benefit of the doubt and just walk away. So look at your situation and leave room for things you don't know. Here's the other thing that you need to do. You need to fight for the liberty that you've been given. That you've been given. I'll say that one more time. That you have been given. And you're going to have to fight for it. Because the enemy's trying to take it from you. And he's trying to take it from you by putting you in this trap of this poison. We need to make liberty our goal. Need to make liberty our goal and not getting even. This is what I've learned. When Paul writes to the church in Galatia, he says, For you were called. You're follower of Jesus, you have a calling on your life, and here's your calling to freedom. Only don't use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use it for what you want. He says, but through love, serve one another. Use the freedom that Jesus has given us. We just took communion. Use it as an opportunity to serve people, not for your flesh and for you to get back. Here's the thing. We're drinking from the wrong cup. We need to put the cup of poison down and we need to come back to the blood of Jesus and we need to be drinking from the blood cup. Because the, the blood covers a multitude of sin, doesn't it? This one has no weight to it. You know why we can carry this one? It has no weight to it. Because Jesus already carried it for you. He says, my burdens are light. My yoke is easy. And if I'm drinking from this cup, there's a lot better flavor from this one than this one. I want to pour this one out, but man, I want this one overflowing. I want it overflowing. We took communion today to get ourselves prepared in our hearts because one of the things that I hear when we talk about forgiving people now listen, forgiveness is more about you than it is the other person. Because it's the release to get you out of the mess to help you start moving in the relationship that Jesus has called you to. But we've got, we've got to drink of this cup and we've got to dump this cup out. You, you have to understand that this cup, there's been such a high price for it. This cup, there's nothing nothing. It's just empty. Leaves you empty. But the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's going to be easy for us to walk out of this room and say, 
I don't want to forgive. I don't want to do. Listen. Before you say, but you don't understand what the person did to me. I don't. And I'm not going to try to pretend like I understand the hurt that you've gone through. But what I will tell you is there is a God who does. And take your offense and your hurt to the throne. We were praying this morning and this verse just hit me, but it was, we approach the throne with confidence. We can approach his throne with confidence. Knowing that when we bring it, Jesus is gonna answer because he can sympathize with us. He understands your hurt. So today, pour it out and pick up the cup of Jesus and sip on what is sweet and what is good and what is healthy for your soul. I want to pray for you as we get ready to close. I just want to ask God to, to give you courage because it's going to, again, it's going to be easy for you to walk right out of here. Even during this song, maybe you need some prayer. You need somebody just to pray for you. Just ask the person beside you to pray for you. You can step out, step anywhere you want and pray. But don't, don't walk away from a moment that the Holy Spirit is working. Hear what he wants to say in this moment. So let's pray and then we're gonna sing and let the spirit move in this room. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place, Lord. We live in a fallen and broken world and you know that, but you're working to restore and renew things that are broken. So we just ask in these moments, there are some broken relationships in the room. There's some hurt in the room. There's offense in the room. But I pray that those things will be taken. I pray that your spirit is bringing conviction to our lives right now and that we're hearing from you. Lord, may we just trust that you and you alone know exactly what we need in these moments. And may we seek and find you even in our hurts. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.